Hello, everybody. Welcome again to a sharp episode of the Playing On podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This is, I believe, episode 36, if I did my math right, which is up in the air because I'm not very good at math. (laughs) But anyway, besides my mathematical skills i want to thank you for joining me on the uh, on the podcast um this episode we have mike thompson from charm city paintball um I, i've been doing some uh some stuff with him uh for the podcast itself as far as uh you know sponsorship goes and everything but you know as i got to know him it was pretty cool because i started hearing little snippets of kind of his paintball story and uh we eventually got around to doing a podcast, and uh, it was really, really interesting kind of hearing where he came from and, and his life story and, uh, you know, how paintball pretty much saved him from uh, from this whole different lifestyle. Um, but before we get into that, uh, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, first off, to Dr. Paintball, where if you go to drpaintball.com, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they have all kinds of things from uh, from new to used gear. Uh, they can help you finance any marker that you like. Uh, they have new markers, they have used markers, they have a uh, an about section where you can look up all kinds of uh, current paintball events and, um, <clears throat> and they have a, a new thing coming out. I don't know too much about it, but um, uh, make sure you keep an eye out. Uh, they didn't tell me much because <laughs> it was still in the process of being made. So, but as soon as they get it out, they're going to let me know. Um, but if you go to uh, if you go to drpaintball.com and you order something in the promo code section, make sure you type in "play on" P L A Y O N, and you will get a free gift from Dr. Paintball for all of the uh, the podcast listeners out there. So that's pretty cool. So thank you to Dr. Paintball. Uh, we are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball, who I have been mentioning from, uh, you know, doing the podcast with Mike. It's uh, it's pretty cool, his whole story and how he, uh, how he got into it. But Mike makes all kinds of awesome headgear, head wraps. Uh, he is collaborating with myself, and we are making pack bands, which you can find online. Uh, just contact me or, or Mike. And um, we have all kinds of pictures and stuff that you need, but uh, everything's high quality. Everything is the stitches are super sharp. Everything is uh, is the patterns are awesome. Uh, just make sure you hit him up over on Facebook, and um, and I think yeah he has an Instagram too. So check that out. So thank you to Dr. Paintball, brought to you by also, <laughs> also brought to you by Carbon Paintball. You guys have heard of Carbon Paintball. Uh, we now have a CC line out, which is just the step under the SC line. And uh, what we have on there is a, a glove line, a new knee pad. So you don't, if you don't like the whole full bottoms or the full tops, uh, we don't have elbow pads out. We just have the tops still, but we do have the CC knee pad. Uh, we have the CC harnesses along with the SC harnesses. Uh, the big difference there is it doesn't have the, the, uh, the, the air pump back support in it uh, for the CC, but we have CC pants, uh, we still have SC pants, we have CC jerseys, we have headbands, all kinds of stuff. Check it out, carbonpaintball.com. Uh, if you type in capital T-P-O-P at the, uh, in the promo section at checkout, you will get 10% off your entire order. So that is pretty neat. Uh, that's all for only the podcast listeners out there. So 
capital TPOP, in the promo code section. Uh, the, just a heads up. And last but not least, brought to you by Planet Eclipse, the makers of the most awesome marker out there, the LVR. And a whole bunch of people have been switching over. I like to think I like to think that I was you know a part of that whole thing, but um, I think the the new markers are coming out. There's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. I've heard some things. Uh, I haven't really heard anything, so I'm just trying to get the hype up. <laughs> but anyway, LVR series, um, the LV series altogether. I am a huge fan. Make sure you check them out. PlanetEclipse.com. They also have all kinds of soft goods, as well as the uh, the G Tech and the G-Tech frame, the mechanical frame, which is tits. Uh, make sure you head over there and check it out. So, enough of my babbling. Uh, without further ado, here is the Playing On podcast with Mike Thompson from Charm City Paintball. Enjoy. And you can hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. But yeah, um, I like your background with all your fabrics and everything back there. You had to find a space to set up, you know? <laughs> so what are you, are the, you the just in like a back room? Yeah, we converted, um, what, well, what's a bedroom in our house is like a sewing room now. So mm-hmm. right now everything's kind of pushed back so I can make room to have a little space to sit where it doesn't look so cluttered, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, how, uh, so how often are you putting together head wraps and headbands i mean how how many hours in a day are you taking for that you know um it's not an every single day thing although i get on tears where i get like ideas of things that i want to make and so next thing you know i'll be working from 10 at night to two in the morning or three in the morning just sewing you know seeing how things look something looks good i'll make two or three of them you know yeah um but usually i try and spend five, six hours at least during the week and sometimes on the weekend sewing, but I haven't really done anything since world cup. You know, I've been real busy with my regular job. So, which is a uh, custom jewelry maker. Yeah, I design, I heard you talking to Mark about that a little bit. I design (laughs) jewelry and I custom make jewelry from start to finish. So, um, this time of year is just really hectic with the holidays, Christmas, and then everybody's asking everybody to marry them, and everybody and Valentine's wants, Day, yeah. and then yeah, so it's a, it's a busy time of year, but it's good, it's really good. Well, how'd you uh, how'd you get into the jewelry thing? Um, the high school that I went to offered classes in jewelry making, and I took it as an elective. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it, you know, just kind of took naturally to working on little things like that. So after about, well, after three years of taking that in high school, I went to a technical school afterward and um, really mostly on the job training. You know, I've been doing it for 26 years now. Jeez. Yeah. Now, do you own your own business or are you working for somebody? No, I own my own business um, since 99. Wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I make custom jewelry for other people, like for stores and things like that. If somebody comes in and says, you know, I really want to have something custom made, the store will contact me and say, okay, I need you to custom make this for me. Yeah. You know. So do you do so, everything out of your house? Um, no, I don't do everything here. I don't keep like high value stuff. 
stuff here. Um, nothing. I do a lot of like the model making and computer work here. Mm-hmm. I have a, uh, a, scene, a fourth axis CNC machine that I cut out models for uh, jewelry and stuff to show customers. So I do a lot of that work here at the house. Do you ever think about 3D printing? Yeah, I've actually been looking into some different machines over the years, but the cost is still too high. And the problem is that the printing media that they offer now, it, it works great for a model, but it's not really uh, castable to make into jewelry because a lot of times the plastic resin, it just doesn't burn out well in the yeah. casting process. So there's the to get a machine that really works well for that, you're probably going to spend fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. Well, I was looking at one just to kind of you know dick around with and have it on my desk, but and that was only, I mean, I think that was only like five hundred dollar machine, but uh, I mean, right. I'm sure that doesn't even compare to the ones that you're talking about. Yeah, the level of um, the level of refinement of the surface is so much greater on some of these machines. They move in such smaller increments mm-hmm. and um, it just makes the, the detail so much finer. But I guess too, they offer a lot of variations of resin that you can grow your models in. So there's different, they're really cool. I've looked into it quite a bit because that is the future. That's definitely yeah. the future. Um, but they just quite haven't quite got there yet in, in the market I'm looking at, like I've been looking at a machine that's about four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, it's really, really nice machine. Small prints one piece at a time, but they don't have the resin quite right yet. So nobody is really able to take that piece and make and to cast it into the metal that we want. Yeah. Um, but it's getting there. Is it because the jewelry is so small and intricate, kind of a thing? It's it's really because the whole jewelry casting process is made to work with wax. So um, the wax, like uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar at all, but when, when you take a, a wax model, what they'll do is they'll put it inside a plaster mm-hmm. with a hole at the bottom, and then they'll put it in a kiln. So everything that's in there that's made of wax after the plaster right is hardened, it just drips right out. And it leaves a clean surface area and a very clean cavity for the uh, the metal to flow into. Yeah. But the new the new plastics and things they they melt at weird temperatures and sometimes they leave a ugly burnt residue inside on the surface and so mm-hmm. it totally wrecks the surface of the model. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of refinement there, you know. I, you know, stuff like that interest uh, is really interesting to me because ever since growing up. I've always been a huge Halloween fan. I loved Halloween, mm-hmm. and I've I've always been interested in how they made all the masks and the costumes and and you know everything like that. So, like on Instagram and YouTube, like I follow all kinds of special effects play. Like that was one thing I wanted to do when I when I grew up was That's some kind cool. of special effects and watching them cast you know molds and make all these molds and uh, you know how they can take. There's a I think on FX or the sci-fi channel or something there was like this uh, this monster show where they had to make people up into like monsters I watched it I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about I thought I thought yeah. it was so awesome and I can't believe cool. that people can make some of the things that they, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's art you know yeah. and for me it's it's my kind of art because I love Halloween so it just kind of rolled into it but somehow you know here I am repairing pumps and playing paintball for a living 
Well, you never know, man. That stuff, the technology for that has come so far with these latex molds and the shaping and mm-hmm. they're reusable. You know, it used to be the old ones they made or like tear them off, start every day a new one, you know, yeah. whatever for movies and stuff. It's just so awesome. Yeah, I'm, I think that stuff is very cool. We, well, and even going into the Halloween stores nowadays and, and seeing the masks that they're producing, it's like, geez, these are like some of these are high quality movie ready masks. I mean, they're a couple right. hundred dollars, but, uh, you know, still. Yeah, stuff that 10 years ago you could have only, would have only dreamed you could get your hands on. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's crazy. Um, l- let's uh, let's talk about your paintball career and, and kind of – because you're, you're uh, 45? 44. 44. Yeah, close, close. close enough. I was close. <laughs> and, uh, Same you, thing. Yeah, you've been around the game for a long time, and um, you, you've seen it's – you know, almost its incarnation of when it was at its, you know, its, its youngest, and you've seen it become the beast that it is now. Um, what, uh, what was your whole journey like? Where did it start? Um, well, it initially started like just when I was fourteen. My, uh, my dad got me a paintball gun. I wanted a paintball gun. My dad had to take me to go get it because I was too young to mm-hmm. buy it myself. A buddy of mine had a Sheridan PGP pump, you know, one of the old school with the tw- the uh, CO2 in the handle and everything. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I ended up getting a Splatmaster and we used to just run around the woods playing paintball. But that was before face masks. That Like we're literally wearing the plastic shop goggles that you would wear in wood shop in high school or whatever. <laughs> um and, you know, it was just running around the woods, shooting each other for a couple of years, you know, getting into mischief and stuff, Yeah. but constantly upgrading paintball guns as time went on. Um, and then in high school, I didn't really play at all, you know, goofed off occasionally with friends. But after high school, I started playing pretty consistently with friends in the woods, um, taking paintball more seriously instead of just goofing off. I actually started playing with a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, gorilla ball, just take your, your scuba tanks out to the woods just and get out your and cases of paintball and just go <laughs> and, uh, did that for a couple of years. Um, and it was around that time that I started getting more serious about paintball. Like, you know, I had been playing off and on that time for 10 years, you know, and for a couple of years playing serious in the woods, you know, just really really digging it, getting hooked at, you know, so hooked on just playing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was actually nervous to go to like a speedball field. Cause I was thinking, Oh crap, man, everybody there is going to be so good. I'm such a freaking noob. Even though I've been <laughs> playing for a while, it was like, I don't know how to play like that. Well, it's you know, intimidating to, to a lot of people. And I think we, we talked about this on the podcast, you know, it's, it's, you know, that side of it is super intimidating to a lot of people coming, you know, that transition is so big. It, it, it's so big. It's not mm-hmm. like, um, you know, it's not like T-ball to coach pitch. You know, that's still kind of, I mean, obviously you're getting a ball thrown at you, but it, it's you still have that same kind of feel. But this, I feel, is so, it's going from something that's recreational to a complete flop to flip to a sporting athletic athleticism kind of a thing. Yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't a kid when I was trying to make this switch either. I'm like 24 <laughs> years old, and yeah. I'm still nervous about it, you know, because at the time, um, I, I was playing with an auto mag, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got guys walking around with these smart parts, evolution cockers, and and angels, and like I was the never angel a fan of the auto mag. Out. I don't really. Know. I, yeah, I, 
I think I liked how my friend in high school had one and I always liked it because, okay, he didn't have a front grip on his. It was just basically the pistol and he had an 18 inch barrel on it and it looked like so (laughs) cartoon, like the longest handgun in history. Yeah. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. So I wanted an auto mag because the bodies are like really tiny, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, that's what I ended up, ended up getting, but I, I had like good gear and stuff. I just was nervous to do it, you know? So you but had an automag plane obviously. in the woods? Yeah. Yeah, I had like the most pimped out automag plane in the woods, you know. <laughs> See, that's that's so crazy cuz you think you would have, you know, with having that gear. I mean, we we all know it's not about the gear, it's about the player, but you you'd think, you know, being so accustomed to the sport itself that the transition wouldn't be as scary going over. Well, that I had side. never played even on a field like a legit sanctioned paintball field before. It was only like gorilla ball, like a yeah. lot of gorilla ball. Have you ever played? Um, have you played sports? Did you play sports in high school or? No, and that's the thing too. And we can we can talk a little more in depth about this if you want. But absolutely, I wasn't I wasn't allowed to play sports in high school. I wasn't allowed to no team sports, no competitive sports, no nothing. So for me, it was mostly solo stuff like skateboarding. Elaborate. You know? Okay, <laughs> I'm I wasn't sorry, I mean, This is so crazy because. Because I was born and raised as a Jehovah's Witness and um, taking part in extracurricular activities of any type. I don't care if it's the academic club, the chess club, the football team, cheerleaders. It's all frowned upon. Really? And um, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, to elaborate a little more. It's a very, very close knit society when you're a member, when you're a Jehovah's Witness mm-hmm. and you're basically told not to associate with people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses. That's it. Like Hmm. you may run into people, you may work with people who are Jehovah's Witnesses. You may know people from school that are Jehovah's Witnesses. They may be nice to you when you talk to them. But if you ever say, hey, you want to go get a beer after work or you, you know, you ever want to go see a movie after school, whatever, the answer is always going to be no, because they aren't really heavily discouraged from having any outside association from the group. And that's just strictly so, because they only want you socializing with other Jehovah Witnesses? Um, as an adult, I can see it for what it is. It's a control mechanism. Um, you know, basically, it's, a, it's fear. Uh, they tell you that people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses aren't trustworthy. They're not honest. They're out for themselves. And this is like everybody in the world. Like everybody who's not a Jehovah's Witness is out for themselves. They'll screw you over if you let them. They're not trustworthy. They're not genuine people. Um, they're under Satan's influence. And they're preaching you know, this to the kids? To, uh, Every, dude, I mean, everybody? Everybody. Everybody. And as a, as a kid, as a Jehovah's Witness, it starts from infancy. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, you get to go to, to Bible school and the adults go to church. Everybody is in there, you know, hearing the same stuff, you know. So from infancy... You're going with your parents knocking on people's doors and you're going to church three time meetings three times a week and you're spending that's your life, man. That's it. That's your life. So so your your parents were Jehovah Witnesses or your family was? Yeah, they you they all still in? are. Yeah. Yeah, they oh. all still are. No, I was born and raised as a Jehovah's Witness, so my parents were already Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, I have a sister who's a Jehovah's Witness still also. Ed, do you communicate with them at all or no they don't talk to me anymore i am what you would call um well 
technically I am what you would call disassociated. I basically separated myself from the group. I said, I no longer want to be a part of this group. I made it publicly known. And so now I am being shunned by my family, which means basically no phone calls, no talking, no nothing. If I called them, they wouldn't pick up the phone. If I saw them in a restaurant, they wouldn't say hi to me. If they'd probably leave, if that was the case, um, it's it's pretty radical, you know. Now, what what was that transition like, or or what got you to that point to where you felt like this just wasn't your path? Well, it was it was really revolving around paintball at that time. I was um, I'm trying to think. When I first started playing at the paintball field, like on a really regular basis, I got started with a team with a group of guys. And so we had played 2003 World Cup together, a five man. Mm -hmm. And that was my first like big tournament. You know, I played local tournaments and hyperball tournaments and stuff like that. But that was my first big tournament. Now, did your family know? Did your family know about? Sorry to interrupt you, but did did your family know about you doing this? Yeah, they knew I played paintball. Um, Of course, my dad he thought paintball guns were awesome. He's like, dude, this thing is cool. You know, he he thought it was cool, but it was the part of maybe enjoying it too much, taking it too far. It's like it's you know, and then there's the whole other thing about oh, it's a gun, which means it's violent. You know, there's that association to certain people. so yeah, there was a lot of obstacles to overcome with that kind of thing, but for the most part, no one approved of that. So I didn't really tell anyone. You know, I kept it to myself. Hmm. But it got to be real serious with me because I had such a passion for the game that I started my own team in 2004 and we played a whole lot of events and we played World Cup and then pardon me. I um I started getting heat from the people in the congregation about playing paintball mm-hmm. um, because we had I had played with people that were in the congregation before. There were guys that I used to play in the woods with, but they were basically pressured out of doing it, told to stop. People that I was friends with weren't really allowed to play or hang out with me anymore because I was considered bad association because I kept playing paintball. <laughs> but for me... I couldn't I couldn't stop doing it like right. seriously I just it wasn't gonna happen but I didn't really foresee the end of where it was gonna end up at the time um, and then I'm trying to think I guess it was in like oh five I was approached by one of the elders in the kingdom hall and that's when he handed me this uh, this article that I forwarded to you oh that was you know? from him yeah, that's from a magazine that's it's an older uh, Awake magazine, which is one of the magazines that, you know, if Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking on your door, they're going to either have Watchtower or the Awake magazine, but probably both. And that was an article from the Awake magazine in like 90, no, 89, I think 1989. So it's up so to it date. was already it was already <laughs> a really old article. Yeah. Um, so the thing that got me is that. He was like, you need to look at this and you need to like, basically they're trying to pressure me or give me a guilty conscience into stop playing paintball because paintball day is Sunday, man. You know Mm -hmm. that Sunday paintball. Um, Sunday is also church day, you know? So I was for a while riding this line of 
going to play paintball and then cutting out early to go to church or going to church early and then cutting out to go to play paintball. I mean, I was really burned at both ends trying Mm -hmm. to do both things. Um, And at this time, I don't want to say I believed everything, but I didn't not believe either. I had kind of like shut that part of the religion out of my mind. So I wasn't like, were really you questioning your faith kind of a thing <clears throat> at that time. I just thought everything was bullshit. You know, I just was kind of like angry maybe because people were pressuring me because I'm a, I'm a good person, man. I'm like, you don't have to be a jerk to me. You know, I'm not a bad person. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not yeah. hurting people. I'm playing paintball. It's a sport. I'm with friends. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm. So the implications were that I was doing something wrong. And, and, um, you know, I didn't like that. That wasn't cool. I was sensing that attitude from a lot of people. Um, but when this dude gave me that article, man, all it took was one quick read to say, bro, every single thing that's in this article is wrong. It's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty intense. I was reading it and I was (laughs) to myself, I'm like, who wrote this? Where, what kind of, it sounds like whoever wrote it has never played paintball before. Has only right. has only seen it, and, and um, you know, especially towards the end, it's like, wow. I mean, it's such a skewed way of looking at the sport. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that and that's the thing. I had already been playing tournament paintball at that time for a couple of years. I'd played a couple of World Cups, you know, and everything that they had described and had written in the article, I knew that it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. But just to be thorough, I did a ton of research. And I mean, and my wife, she laughed because I had a binder this thick you did your of homework. information and printouts. Yeah, they were talking <laughs> about every, everything that was in the article I did research on, yeah. everything. And at this point, I was just like determined to prove paintball is not bad like they said it was. Right. So when I came back to talk to this guy, I said, look, I got um, – you know, I read the article you gave to me. I took it seriously. I did some research and um, he didn't want to talk to me about it. He didn't even want to look. He wouldn't even look at one single thing I had researched. So his source was the correct source and he doesn't need to be, you know, influenced otherwise. Correct. And I really saw it right then and there that it was more important to f- follow the rules, even if the rules were wrong, than it was to do something right. You know, like the rules were the important thing that I could clearly see that this was not a religion that had any sort of real spiritualness to it. This was just men and man-made rules and just, you know, it turned me off immediately and I never really went back, you know, Mm -hmm. that was it. But at that time, my parents and everything still spoke with me. It was just that I was considered irregular because I no longer attended the meetings, you know. Now, is is that when everybody started becoming a little bit more distant with you? And Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, they weren't really part of my world at that time because paintball was really, you know, that was my world. Mm-hmm. Um, really, Actually, I'm going to turn off this fan real quick. Sorry, I'm like no, no, freezing no. in here. Just one second. <laughs> absolutely. It's cold in my house, man. <laughs> so, uh, um, so what's the big... Uh, what's the big difference between, let's say, Christianity and a Jehovah's Witness? Um, <clears throat> I think the basic way I can sum it up is to describe what 
Jehovah's Witnesses believe in like a super quick overview. Mm -hmm. And you can compare that with what you know about Christian religions in general. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses think that they are the only true religion, which most religions think they're the right religion. Otherwise, why would why would you belong to a religion if you thought it was the wrong one, right? Even though there's thousands and thousands of religions out there, that Correct. one religion is the right one. Yeah, and, and they're not shy about printing that in the magazines and saying that at the meetings, although they, they, ref they say it so politely in public. But yeah, basically everyone else is wrong. Everyone interp everyone's interpretation of the Bible is wrong. Everyone is under Satan's influence. God will destroy every single human on the planet that is not a Jehovah's Witness at Armageddon, and that it's going to be, they are the only ones who will survive God's wrath. And by the way, that day is coming like tomorrow. Like it probably should have been here last week, but it, who knows? It's coming like so quickly, you just better get ready for it because yeah. it's on its way. Any day. Um, now. So it's a doomsday cult. You know, everything is about the future, how this world is ruined, how this world is under Satan's influence. Uh, people are bad. The systems of the world are bad. Everyone is out to persecute Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and I'm being really general. I'm really generalizing here. There's a lot of real specifics that I because somebody could be watching this and being like, hey, he's full of crap. No, I'm being really generalized here mm -hmm. with these. Uh, it's a really nuanced subject. But um yeah, all in all, that's it. It's it's a group of people who believe they've got it right. They don't have to listen to anything anyone else says um, because they know to. they have it right. No, absolutely not. Uh, when you already think you've got the right answer and you're 100% convinced that you're right, why do you need to listen to anyone else? You know? Mm -hmm. So, and having a conversation with someone who's a Jehovah's Witness is impossible because you can't it's really frustrating. You cannot reason with someone. You cannot reason with them. It's it's maddening. That has to be so so irritating because it's it's like having somebody on one side of the fence saying, "Well, my grass is greener," and mm -hmm. it just is. And when when I'm on the I'm on the other side and I'm looking over and I'm going, "Yeah, maybe not." Why don't you look at my grass? My grass is pretty green. And the other guy going, "Yeah, no, no." My exactly, ass. and I, that's that frustrates the hell out of me, especially when you when you try and have a converse, a, a simple conversation with somebody to to just see their side of it and maybe have them hear your side of it, but mm -hmm. they won't hear your side. It, it's so frustrating, right? And, and as an adult now, when I look at it, it's it's childish. It's 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 almost like a kid who goes, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to you. You know, right, they just. Right. It's it's really super childish because I have my own certain set of beliefs mm -hmm. and all the people I know have different beliefs than I do. It, it's a mix, but I can have a conversation about the most um, the most hot topics, you know, things that people debate about. I can talk to any of my friends about any number of these things and whether we agree or not doesn't matter, yeah. you know, but that kind of open dialogue is not acceptable. With Jehovah's Witnesses. And as a matter of fact, if you start approaching a Jehovah's Witness or if one knocks on your door and you start talking to them about things that they're not comfortable with, they'll just leave. They won't talk to you about it. They'll just leave. I mean, that, that it's just like you said before. It just sounds like a cult. But, you, I mean, how many other religions out there that are the exact same way? You know, their way is right and you can't. 
simply have that, you know, that discussion of what's what. Well, that could be true, I guess, with any religion, like you said, but there are major differences in the way they handle things. Like, um, you could be a Catholic, for example, and, you know, some people haven't agreed with, you know, this is like religion talk all of a sudden, but, you know, some people haven't uh, liked the new Pope. They've thought that he's too liberal, you know? So there was, you know, um, discrepancies in between whether, um, you know, they think the Pope is too liberal or not. Either way, it, it, not everyone agrees, but it's mm-hmm. okay. They can still sit down and talk to each other, and there's not like hatred or animosity between them just because they disagree on a subject that is a part of their religion. Right. But if you disagree with something or even ask questions in the Jehovah's Witness faith, you could very well be kicked out um, for apostasy, and um, which is basically what happened to me mm-hmm. because— um, if you speak out against the faith in any way, shape, or form, or even publicly ask questions, even privately ask questions, um, they don't like it, man. They really don't like it. And if you start talking about a subject like let's just let's just say, for example, there's a court case, and right now there's a court case that just there was a huge newspaper article in San Diego, California. Um, there was a ruling against the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. They're currently being fined $4,000 per day for not turning over documents regarding child sexual abuse in the organization. So hmm. they're being – so, and this is ongoing for like a year now. It's in the millions of dollars yeah. that they owe for this. And if you said to a Jehovah's Witness, look, there's this really interesting story about something going on in the religion, and it's in the L.A. Times, and it's international. It's all over. It's everywhere. They would say, fake news, fake news. (laughs) It said that is Satan persecuting us and spreading lies through apostates and wicked people. That's such a cop-out. That's such a cop-out answer to me. Yeah. So that's the frustrating part. If you could actually just have a discussion, because there's proof of a lot of things. Like the reason I'm no longer a Jehovah's Witness is because so much of the philosophy and the prophecies in the religion rely on things happening at a certain date. And and specifically the destruction of Jerusalem, which they say um, happened in 607 BCE. And, you know, just... Go to your local library, look at an encyclopedia. I found it by accident looking in an art book, totally not thinking about religion. I was looking in an art book, an ancient art book, and mm-hmm. I came across this destruction of Jerusalem, saw that the date didn't match up with what I had been taught my whole life, <laughs> did some additional research, found out that the date that I had been taught my whole life was crap, and it wasn't historically accurate. Yeah. And, hence, and hence, because the date is wrong, it changes all of these prophecies you know, it changes the dates on everything. Right. And so that right there, that proved it to me that it was all just garbage. But um, but you can't ask someone about that. They won't talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's considered apostasy and, or heresy or whatever, you know. So you got to either toe the line and keep your mouth shut or you're out. That's uh, – I, I don't want to say that's necessarily how it was for me. I, I went to a Catholic school from uh, from fourth grade to eighth grade. And my sister went from third grade to, to eighth grade, and then we went to a public high school, or I like to call it a real life high school, because I got <laughs> introduced to you know to to real life right away um, when uh, when I went to high school. But 
you know, even those four years that I was there, I mean, it was just, you know, pounded in my skull, this religion. And it's mm-hmm. not like my family was really religious. My mom, actually, she wanted us to go to this Catholic school because she just wanted us to get, a, you know, a decent education, which is sad that you have to go that a religious route in order to, or private school, which are mostly religious schools, to get right. a, a, a very, um, you know, formal education. But, uh, and I'm not saying all public schools are bad, you know, and there's some are that I'm sure are great, but in our case, in this neighborhood, uh, they're not the greatest, but anyway, um, you know, I, I just, I've, I never read the Bible fully through. I mean, it was, it was about a couple years in that even then me, you know, me being that young, I was like, I just, I feel so forced into this. I, I know that it's a Catholic school, but I feel so forced into believing this thing that I've just <laughs> Don't, I'm not convinced, I guess, yet uh, about this. And we would go to church every Tuesday and Sunday and every, you know, or it was like Tuesday and Thursday We during the week we would go to church. And I, I just never caught on to it, even with a communion and a baptism and all this. I just, I, for me, growing up to and being an adult now, um, you know, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody, you know, out there, but for me, <clears throat> learning about all these other different religions, that that were out there and are out there um you know i believe in being a good person i believe that that deep down you know right for it's it's as simple to me as you know that for your body that you grab a handful of m&ms instinctually you know that you should not have that handful of m&ms and put them in your mouth i feel like it's the same thing like you 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 instinctually know the good from bad Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know what you should be doing. And, you know, I don't think one religion is better or more correct than the other. I feel like all are very open to interpret, um, but are all based on the same thing. You know, this higher being and everybody else has to worship to, you know, go to this place where no one has ever been before because mm-hmm. whoever goes there is dead. So but I know that there is something after this. Uh, because I believe in ghosts and I've had a lot of experiences, um, but uh, but I don't know what that is, and I don't think anybody knows what that is. You know, a lot of people die, and you know they're dead for 15 minutes, and they come back, and they're like, oh, I just saw, I saw a light, and that was it. But you just, I I, I believe in aliens, I believe in uh, beings, I believe in all kinds of stuff, but I believe in being a good person. And that mm-hmm. is my that is my number one. And I might not believe in a god or multiple gods. Or I I, I believe that people can become godlike, um, very in like a spiritual way. Um, but I don't think there's necessarily a one set religion. This is it. This is all you need to know. Everybody else is wrong. There's too many other religions out there. Yeah, and too many of them have similar beliefs and opposite beliefs. And if they're yeah. all saying they're right. Not everybody can be right if those are the parameters. It just doesn't work that way, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously, I mean, to me, it's just man-made. It all—it's all just man-made. And mm-hmm. whether there's a god or not, to me, doesn't come into the picture with religion because religion is a man-made institution. Every single one of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I agree. I agree. I think I just that there wasn't much to do back then, so I think that. It was something to occupy time and a way to control people. Well, I, I absolutely. I mean, I've done since I've been. My wife and I have a, a YouTube channel, and 
you know, making people aware of things that I've learned and, and trying to help people the best. I, I just don't want, I don't want some other kid who's 13, 14, 15 to grow up until he's 35 like me before he cuts the ties, before right. he realizes that I've wasted my youth, I've wasted my life, you know? Um, so we started a YouTube channel and I've done so much research about so many religions and about this one in particular. And I've really come to the conclusion that, you know, in general, it's sometimes it's clear to see that it's man-made by certain rules. You can clearly say no God would would care about this or that. Come on, this, would this is a man stone somebody that cares to about death that. for wearing two different type, types of fabrics and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, things like that. They just seem to me. They just seem ridiculous stories, you know. But but that's just me. Some people yeah. base their life on on that, you know. I would rather just like you. I'd be a good person. Try to be nice to everybody. I'm meet, give people the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. um, have some faith in your fellow man, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and try and be a good person and that's it. But that's, that's the extent of that for me, you know, just that's where it starts and stops with religion now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't, um, you know, nothing against people who are religious in any way. Cause I know there's a lot of paintball players out there that, that are, um, but it's just not, you know, I, I respectfully decline in in <laughs> being a part of any because I just don't I, I there's too much argument for me not necessarily argument but debate on uh, the background of the belief and mm-hmm. there's just too many questions that are answered by well because God said so you know it just doesn't that's not a satisfying answer to me right and you know um do you know who uh Christopher Hitchens is Christopher it sounds familiar he was he's he's passed away now he's a writer um and an author and he had said he's he's got some amazing uh quotes about this stuff but part of the thing that he really made clear in some of his statements were that you know first of all no person no human can know more than any other human kind of like what you said a minute ago like there's certain things that people claim to know or claim to have secret knowledge. He's like, there's no secret knowledge. You can't know something that I can't. I mean, you may know something that I don't know, but you don't know something that I can't learn. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's it's all shared. And the whole thought of, man, I'm, I just lost my train of thought, bro. I was trying to catch it back <laughs> up. Damn. Well, even thinking about that, it's like, um, you know, I don't know. And what I think – you know, what Hitchens was maybe even talking about was even everybody can learn, right? Everybody can learn something that they don't know or that they, you know, haven't had in their life yet. They can, you know, attain or whatever. But, you know, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what your thoughts are. You know, you may have tendencies that I can pick up on, but everybody is individual like okay that homeless guy over there what is what is he thinking about every single day you know what are Mm -hmm. his beliefs nobody knows but everybody everybody assumes so much as well you know there's so much assumption out there too that you know well uh you know if well if you don't believe in god then you 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 must be uh part of satan you must worship satan or something like that it's like whoa 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 whoa. or they're or you're an atheist or you you know i I don't even want to call myself an atheist because I believe that there's something out there. I I've had 
interaction not necessarily interactions but i've i've had um instances where i cannot explain what happened? I don't know if you believe in ghosts or anything, but I I watch Ghost Adventures. I'm I'm I I played yeah. with a Ouija board before, and I I feel things, and it's weird things my are connected wife, to me. My wife and I were recording EVPs in this haunted house that we were in before and stuff. So I I don't know what I believe about that stuff. There's definitely things out there you can't explain. I can't explain. Right. Um. Do I think it's a disembodied human soul? I don't know about that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. I, I think it's cool. I think it's super cool, but I, I don't it's have an answer. I don't even, yeah. I don't even have like a real theory about it, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't have any theory about that. Cause I, I kind of believe once you're dead, you're dead. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, but I believe in that other stuff too. So it's kind of, yeah. kind of a conundrum, I but it, but it's like, what is dead? You know, is, is dead your body ceasing to exist? But what happens to that energy or that consciousness? You know what I mean? There, there's yeah. nobody. Nobody knows. And even the guys that I watch, and guys and 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 uh, women that I watch that do the paranormal stuff, you know, they always say, "Well, this is this, and this is this," and they, they don't fucking. They don't know. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're not a hundred percent. They might think they're hundred percent, hundred percent convinced, but unless you are on the other side, you don't know that. Um, yeah. But I think I think that is the most intriguing part. Um, of that is nobody really knows. And I think that's what's the most frustrating part about religions, especially Jehovah witnesses who are trying to bring you into the community, which is weird, which I feel is such a contradiction to what you were talking about, because, you know, they want you to be antisocial with anybody mm-hmm. who isn't a, a, a witness, but they want to go out and recruit people to, to bring them in. But it's, I mean, I just can't, I can't do it. Yeah, no. It, well, that's one of the signs too, about it of that, that religion is actually a cult. I mean, they they separate themselves from society. They, it's an us versus them mentality. And that's one of the sure signs. That's mm-hmm. one of them. And they have all of them, you know, pretty much every, every there's lists and lists of identifying characteristics of cults that you can just Google it, identifying characteristics of a cult. Yeah. And, um, if somebody who was a Jehovah's witness just Googled that and looked at it, they'd go, Oh crap, that's me. That's us. <laughs> You know, because it fits all but, fits. But the recognition wouldn't be there because they would no. You know, they would there would be a reasoning for it. It's it's a cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. You know, their their deep mental brain part, the thinking part that's deep down inside may recognize that there's a problem, but their body and their they just can't do it. And and the two fight against each other, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. it's really tough. So going back, going back to you, I mean, do you feel that you weren't because of paintball, you weren't fully, I'll say, brainwashed into being under that whole cloud? No, I was brainwashed, dude. I was totally brainwashed because even at that time when I was playing paintball, it's not just that I was playing paintball. Like, let's just say I knew I was doing something I shouldn't be doing, but I didn't care because playing paintball was more important than doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but still it was the way that you think, um, hadn't changed the way that I thought hadn't changed. My thought processes hadn't changed. And all of those thought processes are molded from birth. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, and, and, and I've talked to some people that I know now and I said, Man, I said, you met me 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have liked me. I was a real judgmental prick. 
Um, and it just, it's the way the, it's the way that you're trained to think and you do, you know, for me personally, I was a person who would jump to a snap judgment about mm-hmm. somebody or I would be, you know, I don't know. I was just a dick, man. I, I don't even know what to tell you. I was a real judgmental person. Um, no one ever met my expectations about how they should be, how, how anything should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a bad way to go through life, man. Just a real crap way to go through life. Well, it sounds you like know. it's just it's terrible that it took you that 35 years to be able to break free from it. And I, and I think this what it sounds like is it's just something be, being born into it. It's, it's learning that religion and being a part of it is just like learning how to walk and learning how to talk. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a part of, you know, learning how to be a part of that group. Yeah. And. I think people who've never, I, I know if you've never been in a, in a situation like that, it's probably really impossible for people to truly understand the scope of control. But um, just imagine if you have a kid and from infancy you said to your kid, hey, I don't care what anyone ever tells you, the grass is blue and the sky is green. They're all wrong. They're all lying. Mm-hmm. You could teach your kid that one-year-old, two-year-old, five-year-old, by the time they got into school and had to learn their colors, what do you think is going to happen? The kid's going to believe the parent. You know, their kids are genetically and biological, you know, they, they have to listen to parents. It's part mm-hmm. of the biological imperative that keeps them alive. That's their environment and, um, for a lot of the beginning of their life. Yeah, and so and so you can really mess people up by telling them up is down, left is right. You've got to trust me. Other people are liars, um, you know, just ge- in general like that. And that's yeah. w- that's what it's like, you know. Everything that you had been taught, you kind of have to relearn it. Um, you kind of have to experience the world for yourself and go, oh, this isn't like I was told it is, or oh, I met a bunch of people and they were actually nice and they weren't trying to rip me off and they're not Satan worshippers and you know whatever crap it is but if you don't give anybody the chance then you're never you wouldn't see any other way right and that's breaking the rules man breaking the rules to give people chances and do things and make friends and all of that stuff so that was the real that was the real problem because i was making friends in paintball Mm -hmm. and and didn't have real friends that were jehovah's witnesses not really anyway one or two you know but nobody who was interested in playing paintball so uh did they uh did 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 your religion at the time, uh, when they knew that you were playing paintball, did they try and have you, while you're playing paintball, recruit people at the field? No, they didn't want any me to be anywhere near that, anywhere around that. Um, I could have probably used that as some kind of a a mechanism to say, look there, I'm, I'm going there to, to meet people to find, you know, other potential Joe's <laughs> witnesses. I, yeah. that's something I didn't think of at the time. No, I might've been able to swing yeah. something with that one, but yeah. no, it was the whole, it was the whole having a gun and it was just uh total misinterpretation, you know? Yeah. See, I get the whole, cause I've been trying to do it more and more when I'm explaining paintball to people is um, I'm trying not to use the word gun because it's such a right. flare word with people. You know, gun, it just sounds uh, whatever. To the uneducated person, it's, you know, mm-hmm. this horrible thing. But I've been I've been trying to say marker more and more. Um, 
and uh, it just doesn't roll out though right it's so hard to like make that seem like the right word mm -hmm. to me i mean i say it too when i'm talking to certain people when i can remember and it just never seems right no matter how many times i say it yeah yeah i i i have consciously tried to say it more and more around like uh parents of kids who are starting to play mm -hmm. or something like that just to kind of get them into this cult of paintball you know kind of thing but um so when you were uh, when you were playing paintball and uh you know they weren't liking it or anything did you were you doing any other kind of uh you know other not necessarily sport but any other kind of community thing outside of the religion no man that was that was it for me that was my life um paintball work um family responsibilities you know i didn't really have a lot going on i didn't really have a big social life ever um i was super shy uh introverted still i still am to a, a certain extent um but no it, i wasn't really an an outgoing type of person. I didn't have a lot of other things going on besides a very select few things. Do you think that was due to the religion or do you think that's just kind of who you were, uh, by a lot, you know, biologically, I guess. I think, um, I think because I did want to play sports when I was younger, I think that the religion maybe, um, was definitely just responsible from, for limiting maybe my, wanting to do other things like I wanted to play baseball in high school um you know obviously not bad enough to really go out and do it mm -hmm. but uh you know stuff like that and maybe not being a part of a team sport um was that at that time that was probably specifically um because of the religion but you know I don't know I mean my personality at the time I was shy to I don't I'm not quite sure you know it's hard to look back and see how much goes one way or the other i just have such right. a different way of looking at things now it's kind of hard to remember some of those details so what is it uh so what was it like when you finally did cut ties and you started playing paintball more often i mean was it was the transition into the non-religious uh life was it life altering for you yeah it was it was good that was the first year um well, part of the reason for just completely jetting from the religion is because I wanted to play national events and we were playing in the NPPL and I had my own team and we were traveling and playing seven man. So it was really, that was the life that I wanted. That mm -hmm. was the life I wanted to live. Um, I was having fun with friends for, and, and for the first time being part of a team, which I had never done before. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just at that point, I didn't really see any way back. That was the life that I that – I, and, and, and also in 2007 is when I learned that the religion was false or certain things I knew about it were false. Yeah. So at that point, I didn't, I didn't ever look back. I didn't have a real question of whether I was doing the right thing. I felt pretty free at that point to pursue what I wanted to pursue, which was paintball. Yeah. You know? That's awesome that that paintball is was your awakening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I hadn't gotten so pressured about that, I don't know where I would have. I mean, I don't think I would still be at this point now. I don't think I would still be a Jehovah's Witness, but that certainly did it. Like, 
I just couldn't have it, man. The guy, yeah. They were sitting here telling me how bad paintball is, and I'm saying, no, it's like the greatest thing ever. You don't understand. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I got bit by the bug hard, man. I, I've never had that kind of a rush, that much fun. You know, it was just, it was unlike anything for yeah. me. Well, Instantly I, hooked. I think that article that you that you forwarded to me that was that was given to you uh, completely shows that it paintball has such a false representation to mm -hmm. someone who doesn't know anything about it. That's you know and and just sees it for uh, its war. And, and for everybody listening, it's um, this article was just explaining paintball like it was just straight war and it was it was encouraging violence and. Yeah. You know, red wanting paint to, that looks like blood. Yeah, all it is is red paint that looks like blood, and it, it's you know, it's 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 telling people to go out and kill, and it's it's saying it. It referred to a quote from a psychologist saying that it was that people who play this sport should seek help. Pretty much, <laughs> I like I laughed to myself when I read that. I was like, Jesus. It's almost like they expect you to come off the field with a string of ears around your neck from the people yeah, you, you I shot mean, or something. God. It's nuts, man. Well, and it this is from you said eighty nine, so this is paintball in its infancy, right? And and so it was probably a little bit more warlike than what it is now, and you know, it's but but even then, you got to think it's just capture the flag, it's tag, it's capture the flag. It's sure, checkers. they're shooting each other with paintball guns, but yeah, you know it. You can call it war all day, but you can call football war. You can call chess, the actual game of chess, you can call it war. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is what it is. It's a strategy game, just like paintball is a strategy game, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of, I, I think that's the thing that's hardest for people who first come into paintball to realize paintball is a game of strategy. The, the, the smartest players win. The, mm -hmm. the teams with the coolest, calmest, most collected thought processes win. It's it's a game of brains. It's a game of smarts. Sure, it's always great to have the fastest guy get to the snake on the break or whatever. But man, the smart teams usually the teams you see winning them. You know, the smartest 100%. teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. There's there's times my legs have gotten me out of uh, a certain situation, but um, mm -hmm. you know, what you have up top is definitely way more useful than any kind of physical skill you might be able to snap shoot the fastest but if you make that snapshot at the wrong time and make that wrong decision then mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter yeah absolutely and like like matt marshall used to always say you got to be clutch you got to be clutch man are you the guy that's going to stay alive and close the game and win the point or are you the guy that's just gonna freak out and lose your stuff and get shot out of your bunker mm -hmm. you know it's and smart it's there, there is roles. I mean, there are roles on the team. Sometimes you have to make those sacrifices. Uh, mm -hmm. As we all know, you know, if, if a guy is in a spot doing damage and you have the opportunity to, to go get him out of there, but you know you're going to get shot too. Sometimes it's just kind of one of those yeah. things that um, that once you play, you you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so how did the um, how did this business of you know, making headbands and, and uh, headgear come about after playing the sport for so long? Like what, what kind of threw you into that whole, you know, aspect? Um, I was making headbands in 2006, but just for myself and for my teammates and nothing, nothing serious at all. Um, but when Sandana went out of business and stayed out of business, 
this time. Like in 2014, I was talking to the dude from Sandana about getting some custom stuff made for my team. And I was reading reports online and, and look, I don't mean to like say anything bad about Sandana because the dude has built an incredible, incredible brand, but he's not making money on that brand. All the money is in the secondary market. Mm -hmm. So Sandana is gone. And, you know, it was the only company around that was making real fabric headbands out of real, you know, sturdy cotton fabrics yeah, and canvas you know, almost material. Yeah. And heavy, heavy denim and things like that. And nobody stepped in to fill the slot. And I, in 2014, at the end of 2014 is I think when Sandana was kind of closing up shop and, um, 2015 went by and I said, there's no Sandanas anymore. Like really nothing, nothing's happening. Nobody's making other Sandana headbands. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, I started looking into it and sure enough, nobody, nobody had stepped in to fill the void. And I said, well, hell I'll do it. You know, I have ideas. I, I know what paintball players like. I've been around paintball for a million years. Plus I got things I'd like to make. I'm kind of an, you know, artsy or whatever. I want to mm -hmm. try things and see how they look. You so want to create things. I, yeah. I, I like doing that. I like making things. Um, so I just saw that there was a real vacuum in the market. Like I, I was really stunned. Nobody else had come in and started really doing these handmade things because for as cool as so many of the pieces are, companies that mass produce jerseys and make headbands and stuff that go with them, it's all that dye sublimated kind of fabric, which is the stretchy, thin. It just doesn't have the feel or the look of the Printed, classic paint. Yeah. yeah, the classic paintball style is what will never go away. And yeah. I think it was missing there for a while. So my whole goal was just to kind of bring it back and be to fill that hole in the market, to offer players. See, because the other thing was if you wanted a Flying Skulls Sandana headband, you had a couple of options. You could get like a three-piece headband or something from like Midwest for 150 bucks. You could find a used Sandana one online for $500, or you could find some dude that had a brand new one for 1000 Boggled and my mind when I came back to the sport and saw Sandanas and everything going for that. I'm like, it's headgear, people. It, right. This isn't a marker. This is headgear. Right. It's I know. Ridiculous. I couldn't believe it either. And, and then so I started looking I, for old headgear to try and sell, and I didn't have any more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I sold, dude. I sold so many old sandanas for like twenty bucks. Gave them to kids yeah. in like tw yep. two thousand seven. I just didn't care. I didn't wear them. Now you could take the ugliest, crappiest sandana and sell it for two hundred bucks. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I just, I just thought it's a shame. There's a lot of people out there who can't afford a two hundred dollar sandana. Mm -hmm. And what else are they going to buy? For under fifty bucks, that's cool. You yeah. know, I wanted to I wanted to fill that spot. So so the demand was there. That's, I think so. I think the demand is gonna. I don't think the demand for that will ever go away. As mm -hmm. long as you make a good product and you offer quality, you'll always. I think um, you'll always have customers in yeah. some way. So, but that was really it, just to fill the space and maybe help me pay for paintball a little bit. You know, <laughs> see what I could do. Yeah, I mean, anything helps. We all know this, uh, you know, nothing's free. And, um, yeah. every, you know, everything costs something, whether it's, you know, if you're, uh, well, like like you and I, we have something going on where, you know, we're collaborating with the, uh, actually, I'll, you know, get one of these right here, you know, 
if you're watching, um, these are the uh, the pack bands that we're collaborating on, and um, you know I've had nothing but um, but positive feedback from these things. You know everybody's saying that you know how durable they are, and this I think this one's my favorite already. It's plain. Oh, yeah, like it. I I think I might sport this one next year, um, but uh, but it's just something something silly like this. It's just like a it's just a pack band, but you know having your logo on it and then this being something that I've been doing for a long time, it has some kind of like a uh, meaning to me and you know, but, but then on top of that, you're making headgear that, uh, that I like, which is the heavy duty rugged stuff. And the, uh, the, the headbands are great quality. And that's, you know, that's why I enjoy, you know, being able to do this stuff with you is because, you know, I, I like the product myself. So I think you're doing a great job with it. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's uh, people have asked me. I've had actually, I've had quite a few people ask me in Canada and in Europe about distribution. Hey, we would like to carry your product. And man, I'm just one dude with a sewing machine. You know, like <laughs> I, the idea. The idea is great. You know, to mm-hmm. to boom, make a big company. But my biggest fear is that if I let it get too big, I won't be able to control the quality. And that's right. And it's not, it's not my career. You know, I've got an established business an established career and I want to do it and keep it fun for me to keep doing it. Because if it stops becoming, if it stops being fun to sit down and make a cool headband, then I won't do it. Yeah. What's the use in doing it? Yeah. So for me, that's really what it's about. So to, to think about having to fill large orders and make bulk orders. And that's the other thing. I don't want to make a hundred of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would be, I would be bored to death. I rarely make two of the same thing. You would be a you slave know? in your own sweatshop pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, you know, so no, for me, this is, it's got to stay fun or, or I won't do it anymore. Um, and I have to stay thinking of new things. If I get to a point where there's just nothing new to do and there's no cool new fabrics and, mm-hmm then maybe that's the end of it, but I'm far from there. I like that you one know? behind you that has, it's like the red with the green and the, yeah, I like that one. That was pretty slick. This is uh urban camo. I like that. I actually have one of these that I made for myself when I first got this fabric. I really like it. It's pretty sweet. See, and I'm a, I'm yeah. a big fan of like, you know, old fabric like that. And, um, I don't really like the I don't really like the sublimation too much, like in the printed and the crazy graphics and this and that. Like I'm, as you can tell with working with me already, I like things very simple and plain and not necessarily basic, but just I I have my ways of things that I like the way they look and nothing too crazy and loud, but just you know, kind of me. Yeah. Well, up until I started this company, I had worn the same headgear for since 2003. So, you know, like literally until I just ripped a hole in the, my old sandana, you know, the mesh yep. on the top. Like I saw yours. It looks like it got shot with a shotgun. Oh, my God. You know, and that's so. not that's not saying I get shot in the head a lot. It's just it's I've had it for no, a, it just a long time. And I have I have a bunch of like this is my old uh, this is the monkey with a gun one that yep. uh, that Pat Spore made. And um, I have an old sandana one there. And then uh, I have a couple a couple back there. But um yeah, I've gone through I've gone through some headbands, but I've I've worn some for a very long time as well. Yeah, they get yeah, beat I up. Kinda get, I kind of like to just keep the same thing. I'm 
a creature a habit maybe i get yep. one thing that i like and i'll run it into the ground you yeah. know so as many things as i've made i've made things for myself and i go do i want to wear that i'm like nah i'll put on my old one and that's what i do every <laughs> single time so yeah. it's got to rip and know. literally fall off my head in order for me to to, to switch into something yeah absolutely man um so um, how did the name come about how did charm city uh the 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 name start well, when we started, um, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's from Maryland. He's from that area, uh, the Charm City area. That's just a nickname for the Maryland. Um, uh, man, my brain is like just not with it. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. For that area. And and either way, I was talking to him on the phone and looking for names. And I said, I said, hit me, hit me up with some like just some slang names. I said, what was the area? the area where you lived, I said, what are some slang names for that? Like, what do people call it? And he named off a couple of things and he said, charm city. And I was like, Oh, that's it. That's it. I knew instantaneously. That was it. Nice. It just had a ring to it, you know, mm -hmm. just instantaneously done. So that was it. That's, that was it. First choice. First, the minute I heard it, knew it. <laughs> nice. You know, Hey, so, it works, man. Whatever I mean, that's how with, with anything like with me trying to figure out a name for uh, for my podcast, I was just mm -hmm. just throwing out names and throwing out names and just trying to think of stuff. And uh, you know, when I said uh, playing on and the playing on podcast, I was like, it kind of rolls off the tongue pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it, it is really good. That's a great name. You know, pop playing on podcasts, easy to remember. There you Perfect. go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. You know, there was something I was going to ask you about that you mentioned in one of your most recent podcasts. You had said something about wanting to start Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. beginning of the year. Yeah. I actually, um, it's so funny because I was looking into that too, and I've actually signed up to take my first class beginning after the beginning of the year. But what made really? you start thinking about doing that? Yeah, it's so funny because I, me and my buddy from the team are going to go do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, um, I was in martial arts when I was younger, and. Uh, we lived in, uh, lived in Toledo and then we, um, you know, I was actually, I was really young. I was probably like maybe seven or eight and I was kind of, I forget what belt I was, but I was kind of coming up through the ranks in, in, uh, karate and I, I liked the atmosphere and everything. And then we moved away and, um, and I, there wasn't a dojo or anything or, or a, a class or an academy anywhere near when I lived in Kentucky. And I kind of fell out of it and moved back, never really got into it. When we moved back, I kind of, you know, fell into uh, baseball, soccer, football. and But I've always been intrigued by combat, like martial arts themselves. And MMA came around. I really wanted to do that, but I just couldn't afford with, you know, starting to play paintball and everything else. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have time for it. And then um, I listened to the uh, – to the Joe Rogan podcast and he always has Eddie Bravo on and yeah. uh the more and more I listened to it I was like man I it sounds like just how they were explaining it you know how it's kind of it's just this personal struggle against another human being of of you know trying to choke each other out you know and trying to survive mm -hmm. in this in this it's 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 almost like paintball where it's very strategic and you know making these moves and these smart moves and trying to get around this puzzle of a you know, obstacle, this person, but it, it yeah. really, really intrigued me. And I was like, man, I, you know, I was asking, um, asking around about different academies and, and looking at places. And I was like, I, I'm really getting super, super interested in this. And, and I think beginning of the year, I'm going to sign up for a, for an academy and, and start it. 
are you going to look for like a 10th planet place like any one of Eddie Bravo's places or uh, Gracie or from what I've seen uh, there isn't any there's just a few different Brazilian jiu-jitsu places around and a lot of them are actually uh, gi and no gi so I'm debating on which one I want to do there's, there's more classes during the week for a gi um, mm-hmm. but I'm actually going to be starting a swimming lesson class with my my almost two-year-old son and that's going to be a few other days a week so I'm thinking more of the direction of no gi because I think that's just one day a week mm-hmm. um, but I could I could go to the other classes if I want to so I'm, I think I'm going more in that direction very cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that's going to turn out as well. I'm really curious. I, I like the idea of competing and not just working out, but like competing to work out and not just lifting weights or running or whatever. You know, it's boring. Oh, my God. You know? See, that's the thing for me is like I – if I'm going to – you know, I tried it. I, I tried to do the whole running everyday thing. I tried to do the going, you know, working out everyday thing. And it's just not – I like to do the – um the uh, what word am I trying to look for the uh, conditioning kind of working mm-hmm. out where it's you're doing something with your entire body physically but you're you're trying to figure this thing out and I think jujitsu just falls into that that whole perspective and um, uh, you know thinking about it more and more you know I, I think that's the direction that I want to go just because I'm not a gym rat I'm not, I'm not somebody to go and just lift weights every single day I'm not somebody to work to wake up at five in the morning and go run or anything i just right i just can't it's not me right but yeah i'm the same way i a few years ago i was doing um bikram yoga for a little while mm-hmm. like for the better part of a year and that was i thought that that was really good i've often thought that i should get back into it because you know you take classes and it just it kicks your ass man 90 minute class and it's just like Boom. So underrated. You know, but Yoga. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, I, I felt and when I was doing that, like a lot, I felt great, man. Just great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just one of those things to make time for it. But something yeah. like that works better. I can't, I, yeah, like you said, not a gym person. Just, yeah. Do you meditate? Can't do it. Um, I am not regular at that at all. I have before, but I'm not in the practice of doing that now. Mm-hmm. I actually went to a Buddhist a Buddhist meditation thing with a friend of mine one time just to see what that was like. And, you know, it's just the silent meditation. Uh, I guess, what do they call it? It's like a guided meditation. There's breaks in between. It was really interesting. Yeah. You know, is that something that you're, that you do? I've been doing it more often. Um, I, I did it there for a while and then I kind of, I kind of got out of the routine. I'm slowly starting to bring it back in, but I use this app called uh, headspace and, um, I just do it. Uh, I wake up in the morning and I think it's just like a 10 minute thing Just sit mm-hmm. down and like you, you, you realize, I think because everything nowadays is so busy and everybody's so running here and there and, and, and no one has time for anything. But I think once you, you wake up that extra 10 minutes to sit down in silence just for yourself and you realize how much time you actually do have once you set that time aside, mm-hmm. it's been helping me out. Yeah. Do you find that it helps you? think more clearly and things like that throughout the day when you when you meditate yeah i think the decision making um you know even when it comes to uh, you know meals and eating right and just making the right decisions mm-hmm. in general i think come a lot easier uh you know once you're you're a little bit more focused during the day with it especially in the morning huh, that's very cool yeah it's not something that i'm in the practice of but i know people who who have talked a lot about that 
about you know making time for that. I've been wanting to do the yoga thing like you were talking about, but I want to get into a very um, a very strict like stretching routine in the morning too because that was that's one of my goals that I've been trying to do too is become a lot more flexible um, just to be able to yeah. contort my body and, and you know a little bit further ways than somebody else to be able to maybe move around a bunker or just in general in life to be able to just if need be I'm not so you know limited and stiff and I can't do anything yeah absolutely you know once you it was funny just it was like on Joe Rogan they were just talking about that on one of the shows it's like once you start losing your flexibility once you stop becoming active it's super hard to like get it back the mm-hmm. best way to stay you know flexible and so is to stay active yeah keep it don't don't let it get to the point where you have to like get it back just keep it going you know as best you can yeah have you heard of this um have you heard of combat jujitsu I just heard them talking about that today. I was listening to the podcast. I heard them talking about it. Yeah, and then um, I was I was watching it, and I was like, I didn't know this was a thing at all. No, I'm. Uh, are you into MMA at all? You watch UFC and stuff. Uh, are you into those that kind of thing? I'm. I'm not a regular, but I watch here and there. Okay. Yeah, you got a champ in Ohio, man. Yeah, Stipe, I actually heavyweight. Yeah, I just watched. I just listened to that podcast. He's like from the Cleveland area, I think. Cleveland or Columbus yeah. area. Yeah, that dude seems super cool, man. He's gonna fight that uh, that big black dude next. That guy who just ran over that uh, Francis Ngannou. Ngannou, the guy is it. the guy is, uh, dude. I love Stipe, but I don't know, man. That guy is something else. He's like a robot from the future. He's like a Terminator from the future. That guy. See, I kind of, I, I don't know. I like, I like matchups like that because the, you know, Stipe is super humble. And mm-hmm. he, from yeah. what it sounds like, a very hard worker. And I think, you know, even against a guy like that, uh, Nganu, who's just a monster, um, has has a button somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And if he just yep. catches him in a certain way, I mean, it's, you know, and it's and it's just like uh, jujitsu. I mean, it's it's strategy. It's being able yep. to work your opponent if it's leg kicks to the knee or to the th- shin or the thigh and working that uh, you know it's watching tape and seeing what his tendencies are and it's it's homework it's doing what's behind the scenes you know I've actually found a real correlation between paintball and fight philosophy and as I started getting into MMA a few years ago um, I started becoming really interested in in boxing and all kinds of combat sports that, A, as a Jehovah's Witness, I was never allowed to watch anyway. So, you know, it was was all new to me. I never really watched boxing before. I never watched MMA before. Always thought that I would completely hate it because it's just, oh, it's totally gory and violent. But I knew nothing of the strategy of it. And, you know, now watching a boxing match or something that people are like, nah, it's boring. I'm like, man, you don't understand what's going on. There's a strategy happening here. It's Mm -hmm. really interesting. I think once, you know, fight philosophy is so much about like timing, you know, timing in paintball is so key. You know, people have a real tendency to make snapshots and keep coming out at the same time or in the same spot. And an experienced person picks up on that immediately. He's like, oh, this guy came out there, came out there. He's mm. going to come out there again. I'm just going to shoot him in the face. Yeah, you know, it's being it's, unpredictable. It's dis- discerning patterns and um, being able to read your opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things about fight philosophy that correlate with paintball that I find that it all kind of goes together, you know, yeah. for me. Well, it's all an, an, an elimination game. 
right? Mm-hmm. I, either fight True. or or you know what we're doing in, in paintball. It's it's trying to eliminate your opponent before you do. So it, in fight, you're trying to eliminate that opponent by finding his button by uh by working the you know the body or whatever it's it's finding those those open areas in jujitsu it's it's finding that opening for an arm bar or, or whatever so yeah yeah hmm. the, the thing that i noticed and you can probably you know you would probably uh be able to relate to this as well because you've certainly been around a million paintball tournaments and i said this to the guys on the team you know the guys who get really flustered you're walking around in the pits on friday or whatever and you see guys screaming at each other in the pits and this and that that team doesn't make it to the next day they don't advance to the next round when you're walking around on sunday morning in the pits or something people are calm the teams are calm and i said to myself it's because they were calm they got to this place yeah it's they're not calm that they're here they were calm all the way through the people who couldn't keep it together are the ones who aren't here because you know the minute you start getting amped up or out in your head and thinking too much your your decision making processes go right out the window yeah you know the minute you, you start feeling stress on your body you start releasing these chemicals and stuff you start making bad decisions and you see teams doing that all the time so for me even like relating that type of philosophy from fighting to paintball or whatever and just being able to see it on the field, you know, you can tell, you can see people have it together because they're calm. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're, they're ready. You know, they're mm-hmm. calm. They're ready for whatever is going to come at them. They're prepared. Yeah. They might be screaming know? on the inside, but you know, they, they're not showing it. Yeah. So it's just a, I don't know, a lot of correlation there, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get, you know, get hyped up in different ways. You know, some listen to music, some need to walk away. Like I usually, you know, take five minutes and go and just sit down and close my eyes and just kind of, you know, you know, live in the moment for a second and then uh, mm-hmm. go do what I do kind of a thing. That's it. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, where where can uh, everybody find your uh, your headbands? Where can they where can they find yet? Well. As it is right now, you can find me on Facebook at Charm City Paintball. And I do have a web address, but still working on the website, so nothing is up there yet. So for right now, just Facebook. So if somebody wants to uh, wants to grab something for you, they can just go on uh, on your Facebook, check out what you have, and then like private message you or something like that and make it happen. Yeah. So much of what I've got going on now is just custom-made stuff that um, – you know, if you want something specific, you could just message me or uh, I post pictures on the Facebook page so people can take a look at some of the things that I've got. And if they want it, they could just tell me they want it. Mess- message me and say, I'll take that. Done deal. Awesome. Yeah. And then also everybody who's listening or watching, uh, Mike has a uh, Instagram page as well. Um, Indeed. And uh, same thing, Charm City Paintball. Correct. And uh, yeah. and then also uh, I just want to go back to your YouTube channel with your wife and that that kind of mm-hmm. goes over um somebody or you know you your jehovah witness kind of thing and how that happened to kind of bring people in yeah if there's anybody that's interested that wants to kind of check on that um the page is called what's up watchtower and um we're on youtube and we've got like 50 something videos online um haven't made a video recently real recently maybe a couple of months ago Mm -hmm. but yeah if you're just curious about that or you know 
for all I know, there's a young person who's a Jehovah's Witness who loves playing paintball, who's watching this or going to hear this and is going through the same thing that I did. You know, who knows? Yeah. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me, they could just find me on Facebook or message me through Charm City. Um, anything. You know, I love talking about that kind of stuff. If anybody wants to talk to me about religion, that's cool. You know. But yeah, that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm really excited about is, a, is that you're out there trying to help people out and you know trying to bring light to this whole thing and uh, I think it's very cool of you and your wife to do that. Uh, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me, man, and, and having uh, this conversation. And I'm uh, uh, you know I'm super stoked about uh, about next year and the new things that you have coming out with, and maybe we can do some more collaborations. But uh, but. Thank you so much, and um, man, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Carl. Take care, buddy. All right, man. We'll see you. I thought that was a really interesting podcast. <laughs> I, I really had a good time. I thought it was, um, I mean, really cool to kind of dive deep as, as much as we did into that whole religion and way of life, I guess you could say. It's nuts, man. Um I never really knew anybody uh, that deep into something like that, being born and raised into uh, the Jehovah Witness uh, group, cult, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad, uh, you know, Mike got out alive, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, I, I think his life right now is for the better. I mean, seems like a very happy and uh, charming dude. So uh, thank you, Mike, again, for sitting down and, and, uh, and chit-chatting with me. Another kickback to our sponsors, Dr. Paintball, drpaintball.com. Again, they have new and used gear uh, and all kinds of goodies over there. And if you type in play on at checkout, you will receive a free secret gift. I don't know what it is. So you have to order to figure it out. Um, also to Charm City Paintball, who has the best headgear in the game. Once again, Charm City paintball you can find him on uh, facebook as well as instagram carbon paintball has the newest line out the cc line uh, as well as the sc line but you can find all of that awesome gear at carbonpaintball.com and if you type in capital t-p-o-p you will get 10 percent off your entire order and if you guys have any questions at all make sure you uh you know about team sponsorship or individual sponsorship or anything make sure you shoot me an email Carl at CarbonPaintball.com, and we will hook you up, you or your team. It doesn't matter. We love everybody. So make sure you check it out. And last but not least, Planet Eclipse, who makes the best markers in the game because I shoot them, and I've been shooting them since day one, and I have been absolutely impressed. Every single year they come out with something. So um, big shout-out to everyone over at the Planet Eclipse family. And I forgot to say this to everybody. Happy holidays. I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you have a great New Year. Um, if you guys have any kind of questions at all, make sure you contact me on Facebook or Instagram, um, Carl Markowski. Uh, just check it out. You can spell my name, M-A-R-K-O-W-S-K-I. Super simple. Um, I am hoping to have a website very, very soon. I am building it as we speak. It's going to be very simple. Um, it's also going to be the, uh, the, the podcast's website. Um, so, and it's going to be super simple and not nothing crazy. I've wanted one for a while. It's just tough to find time to actually build it. And uh, I have something coming for the new year as well. 
that uh, that I'm thinking about breaking out, and hopefully it's received well by the community. Um, you know, I'm I'm really hoping it does well, and we'll see. Um, you know, I, I I think everybody has a mindset about things, and uh, and you know I really want to take this podcast to the next level. I'm hoping to, to come out with multiple ones per week, um, and, I, and I think this will help the process. Uh, so thank you each and every one of you guys for listening, guys and gals. Thank you so much for listening. I, I really, really, really do appreciate it. And uh, I will catch you again here soon next time on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.